All right, this morning, who are you? Whether you like it or not, whether you are comfortable with this or not, the fact is that our dads have greatly influenced and helped shape who we are. That question, who are you, is very much shaped around what your father was like, whether you had a father, whether he was a good dad, whether he was an absent dad, whether he was a positive influence or whether he wasn't. If you haven't had a relationship with your father, and I'm very aware that Father's Day can be a difficult day for some, well, sometimes there's that void there and it's been filled by something else. But the reality is there is an influence over our lives that our father gives to us. One of the main things that a dad does for his children is to help them form their sense of identity. It's to help them to discover who they are. There's a quote from Derek Prince, which I want to start with this morning, and he says this, Modern man has a real problem. Both scripture and psychology agree that a person cannot fully answer the question, who am I, without knowing who his or her father is. Because relationships between parents and children have so broken down in the last two generations, our contemporary society is suffering an identity crisis. Multitudes are rootless. They have no sense of belonging. We have this thing in our life where our dad plays such a pivotal role. And many of us will have a story around our dad. Many of us will have a story around our dad. And I want to share with you this morning a little bit of my story, a little bit of me answering that question, who am I? To help you tell this story, I've got some pictures. I've got some pictures of my identity. Who remembers when it was cool when you could finally show your ID and you were finally old enough to get into a venue? Remember that day? And now when you're a little bit older, you get a little bit flattered when someone asks you for ID because they still think that you're young enough to do it. But let's show you some ID. I'll show you my passport photo. Who's got a mug shot like that on their passport photo? Would you let this man into a country? I don't think so. I'll show you another one of my passport photos. This is when I was 16. Next one. Can you see the Canadian flag? Part of my mum is Canadian, so I've got dual citizenship. So if you don't let me into Australia, I'll get back into Canada. It's all good. But there's two of my IDs. I'm going to show you my next ID, my Australian citizen certificate. I am a dual citizen of both Canada and Australia. I've got a great opportunity every Winter Olympics. Australia's not normally that good, but Canada go okay at the Winter Olympics. So I've got options. Options are good. Next one is my change of name certificate. When I was born, I was born with the name, surname, my mother's maiden name, which was Bogle. Just imagine, I get called Lottie. Imagine what my nickname could have been. <laughs> Bogey, and I'm sure high school it would have been. Boogie. Hey, Pastor Boogie, how are you? It'd be a great nickname to have, wouldn't it? Aren't you glad that I don't have that nickname, Lucy Lott? And then the next birth certificate. This is my birth certificate. This is in Mumbai, in India, where I was born. And it's not really clear and it's a little bit faded, but I want you to zoom in on the next one. There's a line there and it says, name of parents. And where it says, should say dad, there's a dash. There's a little line, and then it's got my mum's name. And so, for me, when it says that so much of your identity is formed from who your father is and knowing who you are, when I was 20 years of old, age, I, I read that, and it hit me like a ton of bricks. It hit me at this moment of where my identity should be, where my father's name should be, was this line, was this 
void, was this emptiness. See, my story, for those of you who don't know, is that I don't know who my biological father is. I know he was Canadian, and I know his name was Asher, and that's all I know. Mum and mum, and that, they had a relationship, but not a serious relationship. It wasn't, I've never known who this person is in my life. Before I was one year, one years of age, my mum and my dad began their relationship, and they went on to have a, a son and three girls, my brother and my sisters. That's, I'll show you a picture of my family. I'm the oldest of five, and there's now a bazillion grandkids, and Lucy loves it when I put these photos up. <laughs> the thing is, though, I was just like one of my siblings growing up. I was loved, I was cared for, I was, was known what it was to be a family, but at 20 years of age, I was looking through something, and I came across my birth certificate. And where there should be a name, there was a dash. I found out after talking to my mum and dad that they told me when I was a kid that dad wasn't my biological father. But something in here just pushed it away. Just like took it in, in one ear and out the other. You know, like at school goes in one and out the other. It, it went in, but it never registered. I grew up thinking that no dad was my dad. And so at 20 years of age, all of a sudden, all of these questions, all of these doubts, all of these struggles with who is my father come rushing in. See, my identity was challenged. My identity of who am I was challenged because all of a sudden I can't say, well, that's my dad and that's my mum because there's a big unknown factor in there. See, that was 19 years ago. But every now and again, that question comes up. Every now and again, when I look at that birth certificate or it comes up in, in something else, I'm reminded or I'm challenged with that, that confronting question of who are you? That identity of who are you, Lottie, if you don't know who your dad is? See, the quote we read before from Derek Prince was talking about how important it is, how important it is that we know who our parents are and that help our dads help frame that, that identity. And how am I supposed to answer the question, who am I, without knowing who my father is? How does a fatherless generation answer that question? See, for me, I've got my story and many people have got their story. But how does a generation that grows up having this void or this, this gap between them and their father, how do they answer that question? Derek Prince goes on to say this, that Christianity's answer to that identity crisis is to bring men and women into a direct personal relationship with God the Father through Jesus Christ the Son. People who truly know God as Father no longer have an identity problem. They know who they are. They are children of God. See, that's great, that quote. My mum and dad were Christians, and I was brought up in a Christian home. I was brought up knowing that God loves me. I was known, brought up knowing God the Father, like Pip talked about this morning. I grew up singing this song. Father Abraham has many sons, many sons has Father Abraham. Put your phone away or I'll stop singing. <laughs> and we would say these words. We would say, I am one of them, wouldn't we? I am one of them and so are you. And then we'd move our left hand and our right hand and we'd all have a bit of fun. But I grew up knowing that. I grew up reading about it. I grew up having that doctrinated into me. But at 20 years of age, I asked this question, am I really? Am I really? Because everything started to get questioned. Everything started to go, well, if that's a lie, well, then maybe that's a lie. 
And all of a sudden I had to go on this journey of going, yes, I know I'm a son of God. Yes, I've read about that. Yes, you've told me about that. But I, at 20 years of age, had to discover who am I? Who am I, God? Am I, am I what I thought I was or am I something different? And that identity thing was challenged. And I began a journey, and it's a journey I'm still on, of being able to confidently know who I am in God. Some scriptures that help me, and I believe they will help you. John, John 1. Verse 12, but all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. They are reborn, not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. All who believe and accept Jesus have the right to become one of God's kids. It says reborn, not physically, but spiritually, a birth that comes from God. And here's the thing that I have learned to discover, and I'm still learning this lesson that it doesn't matter what the circumstances were with my physical birth, whether it was planned or not planned, whether my father was around or not around, God had a plan for my life and he has a plan for your life. Whether you know your father or whether you don't, does not determine the fact that God has a plan for you. And I've had to learn this and let it go from here into here. And it took a difficult experience at 20 years of age for that to begin to happen. But I have to remind myself of these scriptures, Ephesians 1. Even before he made the world, God loved us and he chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do and it gave him great pleasure. Psalm 139, you saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. As a Christian, as someone who believes and accepts Jesus in my life, I know now that I am part of God's family and I can say I am a son of God. I'm able to answer the question, who am I? Because I know God as my father, not just as a king, not just as someone distant, but as someone who is my dad. And if I never, ever, ever find out who my earthly father is, it's going to be okay because my identity will not be affected by that. My identity will be affected from the day that I discovered that God was my father. Not just on paper, not just in word, but in real life. My identity was challenged and I need to continue to remind myself. I need to remind myself who I am in him, who I belong to. You know, when Jesus was on the earth, when Jesus was walking on the earth, it says that Jesus was both fully God and fully man. And while he was on the earth, God reminded him one day who he was. Think about Jesus for a minute. I can relate to Jesus. I hope you can relate to Jesus. But I can relate to Jesus in the fact that Jesus grew up in a home where his dad wasn't really his dad. And so all of a sudden I go, okay, I can relate to that. And Jesus is there. And as 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 being fully God, he's secure. He's okay. But as being someone who's human, I wonder what doubts there are. I wonder what emotions are there. Surely there's some sort of question going, okay, how do I deal with with Joseph not being my dad? He's different to my brothers and sisters. At an early age, Jesus was clear that he knew that he was different. He said one day when he was found in the temple, I must be about my father's business. So he knew his heavenly father. But he also had the humanity side like I've just talked about. But God the Father made sure that Jesus knew his identity because just before his public ministry begins... We read where Jesus is baptized, and it's in this time that God speaks to him. And let's read it. Matthew chapter 3, verse 13. 
Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? Jesus replied, let it be now so, let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. And at that moment, heaven was opened and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. Listen to verse 17. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love, and with him I am well pleased. The voice from heaven was heard by all that day. It was recorded by the Gospels. People heard it as an audible voice. And I reckon it was audible and it was loud for the crowd to hear, but I also reckon it was for Jesus to hear. It was for Jesus to be reminded because Jesus was about to be tested. Jesus was about to go to three years of public ministry where people would ridicule him, spit at him, despise him, try to take his life and eventually take him to the cross. He was about to be tested. He was about to be put under some extreme pressure. And before any of that begins, God, the Heavenly Father, reminds his son Jesus about three things. He reminds him, first of all, he wants him to know who he is. He says, this is my son. Then he wants him to know that he has loved. And he says, whom I love. And finally, he says, he wants him to know that he's proud of him. He says, with him, I am well pleased. And just like God wanted to remind his son that day who he was, I believe that some of us need reminding about these three things. To know who we are. To know that we are loved. And to know that we have a Father in heaven who is proud of who we are. God wants you to know him as a father. He wants you to know those things. And I've been raised, like I said, to know this about God. It's been tested, but there's a foundation now that I believe those things about myself. And even though I don't know my biological father, from as early as I can remember, I've had a dad who loves me. I've had a dad who's told me who I am in him, and I've had a dad who's been proud of me. I've been given what we just saw God the Father give to his son. There's a Keith Urban song, and it's a little bit country, but some of you will like that. And it says this, I hope every day I see a little more of my father in me. There's something in him that says, you know what, I'm starting to do things like my dad did. You know that, that thing of when kids say you're hungry, and you say, yeah, hi, hungry, I'm dad. I say it all the time. You know, I went around the other day and I turned off 13 lights in my house. And I felt a need to give a speech about that afterwards. Where does that come from? I remember as a teenager rolling my eyes when my dad would do that. But I can honestly say that my dad, Peter Lott, is someone that I can go, you know what? I'm happy to see a little bit more of him in me. Because I was fatherless. But I received fathering. I was without a dad, and at an early age, I was given a dad. And it was a shock to my system because guess what? He did not treat me any different to my brother or the three sisters that were his. I was his from the day dot, and there was no difference in how we were treated. So someone who was without was given a dad. I know what it was to be fatherless, and then I know what it was to always have that father. And so I honour my dad today because I can say I've got a great dad. And I wasn't going to cry, but I did. <laughs> and the truth is, I've been given so much fathering that I am truly grateful for. 
And I don't know what your story is this morning. Maybe you can't say that. Maybe you can. Maybe today you can say, yeah, I've had a great dad. Maybe it's, it's a void. But I know this for my life, that with a great gift comes a great responsibility. And Jesus said these words. He said, give as freely as you have received. As a father of three kids, I have an opportunity to give them what I received. But more than that, as a son of God, I have an opportunity to give to others what I have received. We hear over and over again that we live in a generation where so many people are fatherless, or at least they feel a fatherless void in their life. There's a disconnection between them and their earthly dad if they have one. And dads, I want to say this. Our fathering should not just be limited to our kids. Men, there is a generation who needs you. I thank God for men in this church who realise that they have a responsibility not only to their own kids, but to a wider community. Not just a church, but a community. The kind of fathering is not limited to age. It doesn't matter whether you're married or not, whether you have kids or not. There's an opportunity for all of us as children of God to father a generation. I believe that the way that we do this was modelled by what God did for his son that day when he was getting baptised. And those three things God reminded us about, this is my son whom I love, with him I am well pleased. I believe these three things are three things that kids need to know from their dad. These three things are three things that this generation is crying out to know and see for real. I believe that as a son of God, I'm not only commissioned, but also equipped to help my kids and to this generation to help them know these three things. I want to take a look at these three things quickly this morning in the time we have. Number one, kids need to know who they are. God did this simply by telling Jesus, this is my son. Do you know the simple act of telling your kids that they are your son or your daughter goes a long way to letting them know who they are, letting them know the family that they are a part of. And it may seem blatantly obvious to go, you are my son. You are my daughter. Oh, duh, dad, I know that. But just that simple fact of letting them know gives them some stability, gives them some context to the family that they are growing up in. I sometimes call my kids Lottie. And I know one of Lucy's teacher calls her Lottie as well. She might not know how she feels about that. But I do it just to remind them the family that they are a part of. I also try to remind them that they are part of God's family. By bringing your children to church, you are showing them that they are part of a family bigger than just your family unit. They need to know that they are part of God's family as well. That they need to know who they are. You know, the name that you give them is important. Hopefully you thought about the name, but if you didn't, that's all right. I know for our kids, we thought about what it means. We thought about what it means and we spoke it over them and we still try to speak it over them. What about the nicknames? I read this quote and it was quite challenging. Names you call your child will leave a mark. Choose them carefully. Your kids will hold on to whatever names you give them. And remember, if you don't give them names, somebody else will. When Judah was young, he had quite a big head. He's gotten a little bit smaller as he's gotten older, but he was quite big, and we used to call him Boof. He doesn't look like a Boof now, I know, but we used to call him that. And I remember one day getting quite challenged and convicted by it because I was like, 
I don't want to label that over my son. And I know it was just, it wasn't any malice in it. It was just a bit of an affectionate term to call him that. But I actually felt quite challenged to change that language around and to start to use a word like champion. Something that affirmed who he was rather than something that might be seen as a negative. Because words are such a powerful tool in forming someone's identity. And I think dads, but also all parents, all of us, let's be intentional in declaring who people are, who our kids are. Let's be intentional in declaring the people that we meet, the people that might need fathering, declaring who they are in God, speaking out what God's heart is for them, see how he sees them, not how society sees them. I think we need to know and our kids need to know who they are, who they are in your family, but also who they are in God. And the words and the names that you give them are such a powerful tool in declaring that over someone. The second thing kids need to know, kids need to know that they are loved. I know many people, especially older generations, will have never heard their dad tell them that he loves them. And there may be people in this room that have never had those words spoken to them by their dad. And it can be really hard if you've never had it to say it to your kids. And that's where you need to know what God says about you. That he does love you and the Bible's filled with scriptures that declare his love. But I don't think that you can say I love you to your kids too much. I don't think at the end of my life I'm going to regret, gee, I said I love you to Sonny way too much. I don't think you can ever say it. And I know there's going to be a time where they don't want to hear it and it's going to be embarrassing. But I don't think those simple words of saying I love you to a child will ever be regretted. I don't think those words you're ever going to regret saying those words. And whether you've had it said to you or not, it needs to be something that becomes a regular part of our vocabulary. Even if it's difficult, but we need to push through it and say it. Declaring, letting them know that they are loved. We all know that love is more than words, but words are a great place to start. Even if your child's love language isn't words of affirmation, it's still very important for them to hear that they are loved from their dad or from their mum. In his book, Grace-Based Parenting, Tim Kemmel suggests four things that we can do to show our love for our kids. Things that we can give them that will help them to be secure in the fact that we love them. And these four things are challenging to do, but this is the list. Give them the freedom to be different. Give them the freedom to be vulnerable. Give them the freedom to be candid. And give them the freedom to make mistakes. By doing that, you are not only expressing your love, you are showing your love. And this love is an unconditional love that we see that God gives to us. It's the kind of love that that's talking about. And it's really hard to do as we try to teach them and shape them as they grow. And we want them to walk in the right path and we want them to make the right decisions. To love them like that is a difficult, challenging thing to do. But that's what our kids in this generation need, is an unconditional love from fathers. Whether it be their father or someone else who's playing a father role in their life. Showing them that unconditional love. Jesus was told, this is my son whom I love. And I just want to put out, it's a real simple thing. But do the people in your world, do your kids in your world know that they are loved? Do they know that you love them? Show them, tell them. But the best thing you can do is then also to show them 
God's love for them. There is a love that we can pass on to them that is steady, sure, and available to them, whether we are there or not. And we're not talking about, and I'm talking about the infinite love of God. You know, the best thing I can do to prepare my kids for the day a long way from now when they leave this household and they go out into the big wide world and make their own way, the best thing I can do for them is let them know that God loves them. If I can give them that knowledge, then I would give myself a pass as a dad because I know that I've prepared them for this world, for them to know that their Father in heaven loves them. I love them, but my love is not perfect. But God loves them, and his love is. Our kids and we need to know that we are loved. The third thing this morning, kids need to know that we are proud of them. God said he was well pleased with Jesus. How many parents wish they could always say they were well pleased with their kids? Sometimes they do the wrong thing. Not often, but sometimes. Sometimes a bit more often than others. And part of being a parent is disciplining your child. And if they know they are loved, they can handle that discipline. It's good for them. One thing on discipline, though, that I'm challenged in is this. It relates to what I said before about the names that we give our kids. It's important we don't label our kids with their behavior. They're doing an act that's not who they are. They might be behaving naughty, but they are not naughty. They might have stolen something, but we don't label them a thief. And so I think it's important in this that, yes, we need to discipline, but don't label them with the crime, if you like, or the act of what they've done. And I think that's a very hard thing to do, but I think it's a really important thing. And the discipline aspect is there. But when it comes to shaping the identity of our kids, as a father, I'd much rather encourage my kids for the things they have done well, the things I'm being well pleased with, rather than point out their mistakes or the things that they haven't done well. Do you know that it's important that we look for the gold in people? We look for the good in people, not for the bad. Do you know when you're misbehaving or when you're acting up as a kid or as an adult, it's blatantly obvious. Everyone can see it. The rest of the family can see it. It's easy to identify the negative behavior. It takes a certain level of skill, I think, and a certain level of looking into someone to draw out the good and say, hey, there's good inside of you. There's actually something in there that can be encouraged and should be rewarded rather than just disciplined. And I I say this, encouragement gives people the courage to do good. And if there's only one thing that they're doing well, encourage them in that. I'm not saying throw out discipline and let wrong behavior go unchecked. But I do think we need to get really good at encouragement, really good at finding the good in people and encouraging that, encouraging them to do good. Letting our children know that they, that we are well pleased with them, that we are proud of them. Don't waste an opportunity that if someone does something good to let them know that you're proud of them. You know, you can do this to people that aren't your kids. When you hear about someone that's done something good, encourage them. Say, well done. That's a great effort encouragement is, again, I don't think you're going to get to the end of your life and go, I encouraged that kid way too much. I I just built him up way too much and encouraged him, and I regret doing that. I don't think we're ever going to get there. See, as a dad, I've got an incredible opportunity, an opportunity to help shape the identity of my three kids. And it's funny watching 
you kids, especially my boys, when they start to copy you and they start to want to dress the way you dress or do the things that you do. When they was younger, they used to wait and see what I was wearing to church to try and see if they could copy it and do the same. Oh, that's right. Oh. <laughs> it's funny, but it's also very sobering. It's also very sobering to know that there's people watching you. Not watching what you say, but watching you, how you live your life. And I know I have an opportunity to help shape who my kids are. But I also know I have an opportunity to help shape those around me by what we do. One of my favorite scriptures is 1 Corinthians 11.1. 1. It says this, imitate me just as I imitate Christ. And here's the thing. I can't help it. My kids are going to try and intimidate me. They're going to copy and follow. I can't control that. But what I can control is who I copy and who I choose to imitate, who I choose to follow. That's the bit that's in my control. I can choose to follow Jesus and to try and live my life according to his truth and know that they are following and trying to copy as well. And I know I don't always get it right. Many times I get it wrong. Just prepare a message like this and you'll realise the areas in your life you need to work on. I need God's grace and his mercy to be a good dad. I need God's grace and mercy to be a pastor, to be a leader, to be a, a dad to those who don't have a dad. You know, I coach Judah's soccer team and there's boys in that team who have got single parents, who have got relationships with their dad that isn't real good. And in that season, half of the year, where I've got training in soccer, I've got an opportunity to try and do some of these things that I've talked about today to speak into them, to get to know who they are, to encourage them, to try and father them in a way that they may not have experienced. The reality is that all around us, there are people that need that. Hebrews 4.16 says this, Let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. You know, I think fathering, being a parent, is one of the areas where I've needed grace the most, where I've needed his help the most. And today I want to, um, we're going to do a few things to finish. But I felt today to pray for all the men. And ladies, I'm not excluding you this morning because I know single mums that you play a role of a dad and you, you carry that weight. But I just felt this morning I wanted to pray for all the men in this church. I feel that some of you need to forgive yourselves. I feel that some of you need to accept the mercy of God that is available to you today. And Josh and people ask you guys to come up and get ready. I also want to pray for God's mercy and grace for all the dads. Not just the physical fathers, but all those that, that play that dad role. And so what I'll ask us to do, I just want us to close our eyes. I'm not going to embarrass you men, but I just want all the men just to um, just raise your hand. It's not because I don't know that you're a guy. It's just you acknowledging that I want this prayer. If you don't want to put your hand up, that's fine. But I just felt to pray for you this morning. God, I pray. And I pray for mercy. I thank you for your mercy. I thank you for your grace. God, my prayer this morning 
is that you would grace us for the task of fatherhood, that you would give us your grace, your empowering, that you would help us to do our best to help to form the identity of our children, not just to our kids, but to all those around us, that you would help us, Lord God, to be men of integrity, you would help us to be men that express your love and your kindness and your truth. I pray, Lord God, that when our best isn't good enough, we would know that your best is there and available and that your grace is sufficient for us. I pray that, God, you would grace us with the task of fathering the fatherless, that you would help us to look beyond the walls of our family and beyond the walls of our church and look for people in our world who simply need to know who they are, that they are loved and they, are being, they have someone who is proud of them. Pray that you would give us opportunities every day in our homes, in our workplace, in our schools, on the sporting fields, wherever we are, Lord God, to represent you to a world who so desperately needs it. God, we thank you for the families in this church. We thank you, God, for men that would lead as Christ as you lead us, not in a controlling way, not in a dominant way, but in a way that serves, that gives up their life for the good of others. God, I pray, Lord God, for the dads in this church. Give them the grace that they need to raise their children according to your plans and your purpose. We thank you, Jesus, in your name. Amen. I want to finish this morning. I've spoken to the dads. Now I want to speak to anyone who's a son or a daughter. In case you don't know, that's all of us. And go back to that question we asked at the beginning. Who are you? Do you know that you are a son or a daughter of God? Do you know who you are in God? Are you able to relate to him as your heavenly father? Does the words God is our father or God is our dad, are they just words that you read or just hear or are they truth? That is the foundation of how you live your life. I've asked Josh and Pip to sing this song this morning. And I want you to close your eyes and just listen to these words this morning as they minister to you, as they speak truth into who you are. When they're finished, I'll come back up and wrap up. But listen to these words, knowing who you are in God.
God, we, my prayer this morning is that we would believe who we are in you. God, that this wouldn't just be words, it wouldn't just be head knowledge, but it would be a conviction of deep within our heart that we know who we are in you. That this morning, that this Father's Day 2018, we can confidently say that we are your kids. We are your son or we are your daughter. And it wouldn't be based on anything that we have done or anything that's going on, but it would be simply based for that revelation, that truth, that we belong in you, that we have been adopted into your family, that we are your son and we are your daughter. God, I pray this morning that we would know that love. We would know who we are in you. We would know that we are loved by you and we would know that you are well pleased with us.